The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, all right, all right. We're getting ready now, closing in on the Breeders' Cup. Hi, everybody. This is Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Happy to have you listening. Remember, for any reason your friends miss this show, I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, We uh, definitely want to remind them that these shows are on podcast. They should be put up by, uh, oh, at least by tomorrow if I can get my producer, Josh, to wake up in time to post them uh, on the winningponies.com website. But uh, anyhow, I hope that, uh, especially as we close in on Breeders' Cup, you'll share this information. You'll also come on over to Winning Ponies and let us help you get some winners and you go to winningponies.com, pull down our easy win forms. And uh, it's uh, Keeneland's not over yet. We've been rocking it at Keeneland uh, uh, pretty well. Uh, it was, uh, let's see, we had a 50-cent pick four that paid 2661 And yesterday had a $1 super that paid $1,000. $547. Of course, Santa Anita is up and running. We nailed them for a 50 cent Super 5 that paid $2,441. we are all going to need all the help we can get as we come into the Breeders' Cup. So uh, Winning Ponies is there to, to help you out. Now, uh, first-time starter and a many-time returner on the show tonight. First-time starter is Dr. Joel Politi, and he's an orthopedic surgeon specializing in joint joint replacement and reconstruction. Now, this is not on equines. This is on humans. But uh, Dr. Politi, who just, uh, if you look up his resume, is <laughs> pages long. This guy's a very well-respected doctor uh, in the, uh, let's say, Columbus, Ohio area. Um, he ended up going to 70000 for Serengeti Empress and put her in the hands of one Tom Amos. Well, I don't believe the odds are out yet, but in probably one of the toughest races on Breeders' Cup Day, the Grade 1 Tito's Handmade Vodka Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, uh, $2 million up for grabs. He's got Serengeti Empress. Now, she started out at Indiana Downs, went off at 3-5, to five and won like a good thing by 5.5. Then goes up to Saratoga, so impressed everyone. Uh, Tom Amos said, let's try her in the, in the Schuylerville, the grade three up there. And wouldn't you know it, I'm not going to mention the jockey's name, but looking strong, turning for home, just two links off the lead, and he blows the whip and had no whip at all from the head of the lane. So ended up finishing fourth in there. Now, <clears throat> comes back. Ellis Park, that's been a launching pad for a lot of good horses, goes in the Ellis Park debutante, puts on Corey Lannery, uh, top jock, pulls away, just drew away by 13 and a half lengths. Okay, got lucky, freaky, right? Wait, it was 11-horse field. Comes back in 11-horse field in the grade two Pocahontas, now stretching out to a mile and a 16th. That's right, the distance of the juvenile Phillies, and wins by, get this, 19 and a half lengths. Uh, the things that Corey said about this horse uh, were just phenomenal. Like he, he, the cruising speed of this filly and 
he had no idea that she was pulling away that far that fast. Finally, you know, to, to check out the board, it's like, whoa, girl, didn't matter. She's romped by 19 and a half. So what has she done? She's won at Churchill Downs, and she's won at a mile and a 16th. So uh, Dr. Politi, we're going to be talking to him about his entrance into racing and how uh, high he is on his filly and if he's got any inside information for us from Tom Amos. And then uh, one of my favorite guests, longtime uh, guest on this show, Brian Zipsy from Horse Racing Nation. Uh, and from, I believe it's... Uh, Derby Day Racing. He'll correct me when I get on there, but it's the the new partnerships that he's putting together with uh, Buff Bradley and as many partners that want to get in. I think it's Derby Day Racing. But anyhow, Brian Zipsy is going to be with us. We're going to do two things. We're going to do an overview of the Breeders' Cup, and then uh, we're going to maybe zoom in, let's just say, on the Classic. And um, I'll tell you what, there's no horse that in my opinion, has the target on his back in here. I mean, it's a mixed group. You've got horses that have made five starts. You've got horses that have made 44 starts. It is a mixed bag, but no huge star. Somebody will be a star and will be collecting their share of $6 million after the Breeders' Cup Classic. Then I'm going to put Brian's feet to the fire and say, hey, it's closing weekend at River Downs. We got the Haygard Fayette. Let's take a look at that and then maybe go over to uh, Belmont Park. Uh, they've got uh, several stakes on the card there. The Bold Ruler is a grade three, seven furlong event. So that's the lineup. Those are our guests and the highlights. Uh, now uh, some uh, recent news that uh, we've got that's come out some some of it not so good and that's a gentleman <clears throat> that i've had on the show before and and i do say gentleman he was a real class act and his name was rick violet that's right very big on the new york scene uh but the the main thing is um all the different things he did. He was only 65 years old, and he was just a tireless advocate for New York's horsemen and the backstretch workers. Uh, he started training back in 77. He's from Massachusetts originally and graduated from the University of Mass. And uh, all of a sudden, they stopped at uh, a place uh, in New York. And he got the bug, and he started as a show rider, and then he took out his trainer's license after that. But uh, he was a very high-profile trainer in New York. Um, he got to uh, read the footnote, you may recall, to win the, the Nashua Stakes. That was a grade three, also won the Remsen. And in 2004, the Fountain of Youth Stakes on way to a go at the Kentucky Derby. Now, uh, the, again, the – main thing that Violet's known for, I mean, he's had 13 graded stakes races. I'd like to be known for that. <laughs> and 36 graded victories over his career. His horses earned 44 million. Uh, but they say that he was just so well known uh, for his industry work off the racetrack. Uh, he was president of the New York Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association for 10 years. I got news for you folks. That's a lot of hard work on the side while you're training a full barn of horses. So uh, Rick Violet 
highlight. He was just uh, praises from everybody in the industry, uh, but he was really concerned about workmen's compensation and uh, the program that benefited the welfare of all the workers on the backstretch. He was deeply involved in areas throughout racing, particularly in New York. And there were just so many people that uh, got online and started saying great things about Rick and, you know, the, the different things he did. Uh, and all this time, I didn't know that for many, many years he had been battling a form of cancer. So he will be missed. Well, Javier Castellano got to a new plateau, 5,000th career wins. Now he's 40 years old. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but the fact that it took place in New York, he said, was very, very special to him since that's where he's been doing most of his riding uh, for the last 17th year. His, his one, two, three, and four were all in Florida. So he's really happy to have 5,000 uh, happen in New York. Uh, he's won four Eclipse Awards, uh, but he says he's still chasing his dreams because his goal is the Kentucky Derby. He's been chasing it. And he says, I swear I'm going to win it one day. So far, he's 0 for 12. So maybe he'll get over that hump. But anyhow, congratulations on win number 5,000. Now, for those of you that uh, track the, the breeding industry, particularly across the pond, Sadler's Wells is a name that stood right there with uh, his lineage daddy, Northern Dancer. And Galileo now has surpassed him with his 74th Get this, grade one winner. Now, Sadler's Wells was his sire, so he passed his daddy when uh, Magical won the Quipco British Champions Phillies and Stake. That was a grade one that they ran last week. A lot of big races over there in the, the Quipco series. Uh, but uh, I always knew that this horse was going to make it a stud. Of course, uh, he you know, he sired a total of 31 female group winners, 43 Colts and Geldings, uh, just amazing. So if you're betting on horses over in Europe or if someone make it to the grass here, make sure that uh, if you see a Galileo, you put a few bucks on him. Congratulations to, to none other than Edgar Prado, another Hall of Fame jockey. And uh, he set the record for um, wins in Maryland million races. So congratulations to Edgar Prado. Well, uh, that's some of the current news I can give you right now. Uh, I've got plenty. This could be a two-hour show, but one must move on with the time allotted. Okay, last week, Jonathan Kinchin, a winning ponies listeners, do we bring the best to you or what? Of course, he was crowned as the best handicapper ever in the National Handicapping Championship, but we get him to come on Winning Ponies and give his selections, and he had a great day with the few races we gave him, starting with the Mohawk Stakes. Remember, they had the series of New York bred stakes at Belmont. All right, Kinchin just gets beat. I shouldn't say that. Offering plan one by six, but he was the favorite. Kinchin gave us a 14 to one shot that runs second in here. Uh, just fantastic. That was wrapped. Uh, he was saying that uh, he just thought that he could use this uh, come from behind style and obviously did. Hope you had him in your exotics. 14 to one, no chalk from Jonathan Kinchin for sure. Then we moved on to the Empire Distaff Handicap. It was a quarter million dollar race. He gave us the winner in there, Bonita Bianca. Uh, one of the favorites paid 750 but ran away by six lengths 
in that race. Jonathan Kinchin moves on now to the Empire Classic Handicap 300,000. And the winner in there, his top pick, Pat on the back. Won by a length and a half, paid $6.50. And in that race, can you dig it? I like that name. Ran second. All right, then I did ask him to, uh, we played a a race at uh, Keeneland, and it was the Raven Run. And the winner in there with a strong finish, shipping in from Woodbine, our famous sponsor here on Winning Ponies. It was Shamrock Rose. Oh, if ever a hunch bet for me with my Irish Aunt Rose for sure. Shamrock Rose got the job done. In the second spot was Blamed, who led most of the way. Looked like he was going to get there for Bill Mott, but got caught by Shamrock Rose. And in the third spot was Kinchin's pick, Amy's Challenge. All right. That was a look at the races that we did last week. Again, this week, when we uh, start handicapping with uh, Brian Zipsy, uh, we're going to be uh, looking at Belmont Park, where they do have the graded bold ruler handicap. Also, they've got a couple races uh, on the turf. Interesting. One of them for two-year-olds, the Awad, of course, a famous grass runner, and the uh, English Channel going a mile on the turf. When we go to break, I'm going to save to see if I can get the weather report for uh, <laughs> for New York because it, it could make a big difference. And uh, we'll also check out the uh, the uh, feature race, the Haygard Fayette at Keeneland. Okay. That's a look at the first portion of the show, national news, upcoming events, and we are going to get a chance to talk to a guy that's got to be extremely excited in the week ahead, Joe Politi. He owns, and I want to find out about this horse's name, Serengeti Empress, who will be going in the Tito's Handmade Vodka Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right. Really excited when I land this. I, I love when an interview falls in my lap. And a friend of a friend uh, gave me the name of a Dr. Joel Politi. And uh, he is going to have Saragheny Empress, as I told you earlier in the show, in the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Extremely exciting. Uh, she's uh, just an eye-popping filly. Like I said, throw out that one race where the jack lost the whip and she'd be undefeated. But uh, anyhow, uh, uh, Dr. Politi, I'm not going to tell them your whole resume because this is only an hour-long show, but you're, you're, you're <laughs> quite accomplished, I must say, as a surgeon and uh, all the different boards you're on and things like that. So uh, with no further ado, Dr. Joel Politi, welcome to Winning Ponies. So I am happy to be here tonight. Well, that's great. I'm happy to have you. And so, anyhow, let's let's rewind a little bit here, if we can, and kind of take me through, not your medical career, uh, we'd really be on the, the line a long time, uh, but uh, I, let's go through your equine career. What, what first uh, drew your interest to horse racing? A- at what age and, and why? Well, so um, I grew up in Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, you wouldn't think that's really horse country. But um, my parents were both immigrants. They came here. My dad had grown up actually in Egypt and had been to the horse races, and that was kind of, it really caught his eye. And we came here, and he was a physician, and we settled in Youngstown in, in the backyard. He bought a big piece of land and threw a barn in the backyard and uh, put up a 12-horse barn with a bunch of paddocks, and away we went. So I grew up with horses in the backyard my whole life, and... Um, and Youngstown, um, when you're familiar with Ohio, is halfway between Thistledown and what was Waterford Park. And um, and so my dad and I went to the racetrack at Thistledown and Waterford Park, sometimes both in the same day and certainly every weekend. And um, as a kid, I was just a track junkie. I mean, we were there all the time, backside, uh, you know, watching races. And he bred horses. And so it kind of got into my blood. And, um, you know, hard to get it out after that. Oh, that's a great story. I wish I met your father. He sounds like a guy I could hang out with for sure. But uh, now those horses that were in your backyard, were they trail horses, riding horses, thoroughbreds? What kind of horses were they? No, they were they were pretty much thoroughbreds. Um, we would have the occasional Appaloosa or something in there that was basically somebody that was working in the um you know, that would help with the stable, but, um, but they were thoroughbreds. So, and he bred, um, you know, a ton of Ohio breads. Um, he had pretty good success. He bred some stakes winners. If you're familiar with Ohio racing at all, you'd remember all the great, all the great grape babies. So, um, great grape, top grape, um, and, uh, um, grape juice. Um, they were all stakes winners. Yeah, I've got and, all the uh, old magazines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were, uh, so, I mean, you know, he, he wasn't a big-time Kentucky breeder, obviously, but um, but we had, uh, you know, always two or three mares, 
and then foals that came off of it, and they were all Ohio breads, and um, and you know uh, we had a great time with it. That, that that's that is great. Now, uh, I'm guessing I don't, you probably put a bit of a hiatus on your racetrack going when you were <laughs> starting to become a, a, a surgeon. Uh, when when did you finally get leveled out again? If I'm painting, I could be uh, making assumptions. I don't know, but where all of a sudden it's like, okay, I got this under control. Maybe I'll get back into the racing game. Well, um, so uh, I I always went to the races, even when I was in college. I would say. Um, I, you know, I, I was pretty good at picking the ponies and I would say it's the weekend coming and I need some money. I think I'll go to the track and make some money. So, um, wow. uh, then, um, you know, obviously I got married, I have uh, four daughters and life got kind of busy and I really didn't go to the track that much, but I watched everything and that was right in the era of things getting on the internet. And so all of a sudden you could watch racing on your computer or TV, which was just incredible. And, um, and so I got back, I mean, I would go with my dad to the races. Unfortunately, he passed away about 10 years ago, but, um, about 13, 14 years ago, I put together, uh, a couple partnerships with friends and, um, we claimed some horses down in Kentucky and, uh, started going with it. And so I've been in, uh, on doing this for about the last 13, 14 years. Wow, I'll tell you what, if I ever have you doing surgery on mine, I'm going to check that monitor and make sure it's not TVG. (laughs) Right, so, you know, we listen to music in the OR, but we never watch races. (laughs) (laughs) No, if you had a nice bet going and your 14-1 shots coming down the lane on top, I wouldn't want to be sitting on the table with you near a knife, so, (laughs) but I I digress. Now, let's move into the now story, which of course is Serengeti Empress. Um, uh, obviously, I believe that you've uh, kind of partnered up, become friends with, with Tom Amos. Uh, tell me about that relationship and tell me about the selection of this daughter of alternation. Well, so I've known Tom about 10 years and we've had horses with him and with either partnerships and I've had a bunch of different partnerships. Um, one with one of my uh, current orthopedic partners, uh, Jonathan Flavel, and then just a bunch of my friends. And then I have a couple partnerships right now with a group called the Lonely Boys, which are some really great guys from Brooklyn. And uh, but uh, so Tom's been training for us for you know about ten years, and uh, Tom is just the greatest guy. And if you get to know him, one of the things about him, there's a lot of things to really like about him. But he's super honest, and he's very forthright about telling you where you stand with a horse and um and he's a great assessor of talent so um about three or four years ago uh ish he started going to the sales on a regular basis and buying uh babies and if you look at his track record of buying babies it's really off the charts he's got a couple derby starters uh motom lone sailor um along with a lot of other really good horses and um and i had a bunch of horses with him uh, that we hadn't really bought at the sales. We either claimed or bought privately or, um, and so, uh, we kind of just set up a plan where we'll go to the sale every year and buy fillies. And, um, you know, if they do really well, well then we'll have something left afterwards for the breeding shed. And, um, we went to the sale last year and, uh, you know, he gets all the credit on picking. I was there, but he gets all the credit for picking. And, um, she's a really stunning individual and her, page on the catalog is 
okay, but really she's by second crop sire alternation who's um, really hadn't distinguished himself yet and um, out of an unraced mare. And uh, so we got really lucky. I mean, in the end, we got really lucky with her. Well, uh, still, for those uh, listening, she's a January fall, which gives her a little edge on the on the two-year-olds. And uh, while her mare, her dam was unraced, she's by Bernardini, and we don't know how good alternation is yet. Uh, I'd love to see a $6,000 sire. Sorry, it had to come out of your pocket. Bring seventy thousand dollars. You know, I just uh, I'd like to see the upside for horses. There are people like waiting to see how they're going to do and that they actually do establish themselves. Now, Serengeti Empress, I ran uh, her race record down to our audience earlier. Um, comes right out of the blocks at Indiana, wins by five and a half, and you say you trust Tom Amos. All of a sudden, he did he tell you, hey, this filly's good enough to go tackle some of the girls at Saratoga. Well, so, uh, you know, Tom, if anything, will undersell or, or he will never tout a horse for better than they are. And before she ran, he told me she's really good. I mean, uh, and he and I watched her train at Churchill in the morning. And um, you can see when you when she moves, she's not like other horses. So and he has a great eye for and, you know, I think really great trainers know what they have, obviously, before they ever start. And, he knew how good she was. I don't think he knew, and none of us knew how good that she was this good, but he knew she was really good before she ran at Indiana. And um, so after that race at Indiana, if you watch the replay, I mean, she never got asked down the lane. She got a little bit of trouble on the backside. and She looked visually very impressive, and um, I left the decision up to him. But after, you know, she really didn't have to put out that hard in the race, we said, well, let's ship her to Saratoga and see how she does. She shipped cross country. Um, it was 14 days. That track's pretty deep. Um, she didn't have a lot of time over it, and um, the jocks dropped the stip, stick at the top of the lane, one thing after another, and she just didn't show herself uh, true to her form that day. Um, so we went with that race, but, um, I mean, that's a blemish on her record, but she's got a ton of excuses for that race. Well, uh Obviously, she has redeemed himself, herself rather. Um, the Ellis Park debutante, for starters, and I won't even go on to the Pocahontas. Uh, she she just ran away from her jockey. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Now that was moving up. I mean, you look at the progression. Uh, we're talking with uh, Joel Politi, who the uh, owner of uh, Saragani Empress. Uh, but she goes from five furlongs to six furlongs to seven furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth. The longer she goes, the better she gets is what we've seen so far in the Ellis Park debutante she gets Corey Lannery good move especially if you're going to be at Churchill um, and runs away that day by 13 and a half what were the comments after that race well again we thought she was pretty good and she went off as the favorite but truthfully you know um, I was just hoping I was really hoping she could win the race right and um, top of the stretch if you've watched the replay that was a that was a really wow race. I mean, eye popping, and um, I didn't really know what to think. I mean, mid stretch, I thought, you know, what is happening here? <laughs> um, and she just ran away, and and you know, her speed figures from that race, whether you use Buyer or Ragazin or Thoroughgraph, they were. It was a great race, and um, and at that point, we kind of knew, well, well, we really have something. I mean, that was her, that was her come out race for sure. Well, uh, it only got better from that. I mean, uh, 
Corey got her to relax a little bit more, but of course it was going a mile and a 16th in her last start, the grade two uh, Pocahontas. Um, so while the fractions were just a tad off her earlier ones, particularly at the, the six furlong mark, um, she just, from what I read, the quotes I got from Corey and from Tom is, first of all, he didn't know he was going that he, he was going so easy, he didn't realize that she had pulled away by that much. And then all of a sudden, when he looked back, he said, oh, my God, I'm like a furlong, 16th of a mile <laughs> right. or something ahead, ahead of these, uh, these other horses. So I, I think a couple of things on that race make me feel really good about the next race is that if you look at, I don't, uh, I'm a pace handicapper in general, and if you look at fractions, I think fractions are really important when you compare race to race on the same day, you can really get a gauge. And there was a grade three stakes win in your end that or grade two stakes, older Philly and mare that went right before that. And they had, it was a mile and a 16th and she had been five in front on the older Phillies. And then there was a graded stakes win in your end for two year old Colts right after her. She'd have been 10 in front on the two year old Colts at six furlongs. And he, if you watch the replay, he never asked her and she's very push button. In other words, she'll do what you tell her to do. And in the replay, he asks her for about 100 yards at the top of the stretch. Then he quit. He quits asking her, and then he really gears her down. So her final time looks a little bit slower, or her, um, her buyer figure came up a little bit slower. But if you watch the replay, she started galloping with a while to go. She had a lot more in her. And so, um, I mean, her ability to, to go when she wants to go is, is pretty impressive. I mean, it's amazing to me. Well, uh, about uh, 10 days or so ago, he uh, kind of uh, asked her for something in the morning and maybe <laughs> got more than he expected. She was the best work of the day at Churchill Downs, best of 29, going five furlongs in a minute flat. I would have to say, doctor, she's sitting on go. Yeah, and and um, and, and kind of what I just said, she's very push button. That was a strategic work. He basically put her behind one of our other fillies that we have in at Keeneland tomorrow, um, who's a nice allowance older filly, and um, said uh, we wanted her to rate and, and get a feel if she could, you know, sit and wait. And she did exactly what she was asked. And top of the stretch, um, you know, the exercise rider asked her to go, and you know, she went right by this other filly, and um, and so yeah, and she had an easy work this morning, which was all on her own. And you know, the replays are up if you watched it. She just did it as she pleased, and she went in 48 there this morning. I mean, she's ready to go, it seems like, yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Joe Politi, uh, one last question, and then uh, I will let you go. The name, Sarah Gentry Empress. Yeah, so um, I alluded to a little bit earlier. I have four daughters, and um, uh, they're in their 20s and teens, and um, they are, are really, they're really good singers. So about a year ago, um, in a fairly retro manner, um, one of my daughters fell in love with the song Africa by Toto. Um, so uh, they sang that song one night uh, for us for about an hour straight, and it just kind of became the theme <laughs> song of the summer. <laughs> and so we were coming up with the name of this filly, and I'm all about family. And so we kind of, it was a tribute to my daughters in that in the song, says, you know, like Kilimanjaro rises like an empress above the Serengeti. And um, 
So uh, the song is a tribute really to my daughters, and I think it's a pretty regal name for her, too. That is fantastic. Well, uh, Dr. Joe Politi, I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us to tell us your backstory. Uh, I like the fact that it happened in Ohio. And uh, also, uh, sad to say, I've got the address of your suite over the Breeders' Cup weekend, so I'll be crashing your party, buddy. (laughs) Come on over. We will definitely welcome you. All right. Dr. Joe Politi, we're going to be watching his uh, Philly on Friday uh, in the Tito's Handmade Vodka Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Saragenti. Come on, John. Saragenti Empress. And now I've got the backstory on that. All right. I'm going to shut my pie hole. We're going to take a break and we're going to be back with Brian Zipsy. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, not a first-time starter, but a guy that's been on this show a lot. I love having him on. We always get good feedback when Brian Zipsy joins us on the show. I know he was a big part of uh, Horse Racing Nation. He's still a contributor. I guess I've got to update your your bio, Uh, Brian. What would it be now? Contributor? At Horse Racing Nation, John, I'm the uh, senior writer and... uh and, and co-host of Horse Center, and then over at Derby Day Racing, I'm the managing partner uh, of the uh, of the racing partnership and website over there too. So I I, I still have a a few hats in the ring uh, in horse racing for sure. Great. Well, I have to listen to the replay tonight's show, but I'm pretty sure I said Derby Day Racing, so I, I got that <laughs> right. 
Well, exciting we times are, are upon us. Uh, you're not far from uh, uh, the Equus Center of uh, horse racing in the, the week ahead. And, of course, that being the uh, Breeders' Cup uh, down at Churchill Downs. Now, uh You've probably seen some of the pre-entries. I'll tell you what, nobody's going to complain about a short field. <laughs> that I can guarantee you. Uh, they're knocking on the door from uh, Europe, from Canada, and all over the United States to, to get in these races. Of course, with the money that's up for grabs, who can blame them? Absolutely. Uh, there's there's one new race. There's the Juvenile Turf Sprint, so there's an extra race. But, yeah, they, they set another record for number of pre-entries. And, you know, I think Churchill Downs is, is a great place uh, to have a Breeders' Cup for the horses, maybe more so than the fans on person outside. It, it could be a little cool and damp here in Louisville next week. Uh, so that's a little different than California. But I, I think for the horses coming in from Europe or, or from the north, Canada, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fair place to be because it's not too hot. Uh, you're not getting that uh, 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 concrete speedway. Of, sometimes you get out, out west on the main track, and the, and the turf course, uh, same way. It won't be it won't be super firm by any means. So it, it kind of opens the door for horses uh, outside the United States to uh, have a real fair shake. Well, I do know there's been many a day that I've been at Churchill Downs, and the skies would open up. And let's say for an hour or so in the morning and i'm like oh crap it's going to be a sloppy track or a shower would come through in the afternoon i'm like oh the feature is going to be on the slop and the track men there just do an outstanding job even if there is moisture in the track it's it's usually not some kind of quagmire where you're going down six inches so first of all let's pray that it doesn't rain but if it does that's the track you want to be on yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there has been a case, and, and this year's Derby was an example of uh, rain at the wrong time, and of course it was sloppy. Uh, the right horse still won, though. Right Justify won the Kentucky Derby on the sloppy track. So the main track at Churchill dries out amazingly well, and uh, and even the sloppy Churchill track plays a little bit more fairer than some tracks. So. Yeah, we're, we got our fingers crossed that it won't be a uh, badly timed rain, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how uh, Mother Nature wants to play it. But one way or the other, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting two days with a lot of wide-open races, big fields, and good betting opportunities. Right, John? Absolutely. Uh, and, and obviously, Friday, there's going to be some bombers. Um, how do you like the format of uh doing the unique baby races on Friday and older horses on Saturday? You, you know, I'm good with it. Uh, I, I have heard a couple complaints that uh, the races are too early on Saturday from some of the West Coast people I know, where uh, the first Breeders' Cup race is going to be 9 a.m. now out west. And, and that's basically because with nine Breeders' Cup races, you don't want to go into darkness uh you know seven o'clock out here we're dark so uh, uh they have to start early and uh, if you're on the west coast uh, it's it's breakfast at the breeders cup but but i, I, I like it it's a it's a it's a new format you got all the two-year-olds running friday and all the three-year-olds and up running on saturday and john these there's so many good races in two days i almost don't care how they they format it they're all interesting they're all good to see so uh, let them let them do what they want to do 
Absolutely. Now, the, uh, the the Breeders' Cup Classic is scheduled on Saturday as the 11th race, uh, post time scheduled for 5.54. And as you know, being a television event, odds are pretty good they're going to get it off at 5.54. People have to understand that about 6.30, it's getting pretty dark in our neck of the woods now, uh, particularly exactly. if it should be cloudy, you know, uh, or stormy, it, it's going to be dark now. Uh, so, like you said, nothing wrong with bre- breakfast in the Breeders' Cup. That's well stated. I, I hope some bars are are catching on to that out on the West Coast. It's it's a good marketing uh, uh, gig, uh, Brian, for sure. You got you got your marketing hat on today, but uh, uh, I, I uh, like uh, it. Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, and the first race at Breeders' Cup at nine a.m. It, it, it all sounds good to me, John. Yeah, and for everybody here, it's uh, lunchtime. Uh, the first uh, post time uh, for a Breeders' Cup race uh, will be 12 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, on Friday, the first post is going to be the fifth race, and it'll be uh, 3.21. Well, uh, listen, before we get on to some of the races, I uh, asked you to kind of take a look at for this weekend, which is always tough because you got horses that are just a cut below the Breeders' Cup horses. Um, <laughs> real you, you know what I mean? Like you'll see the one race in New York, you know, it's for three-year-olds not going to Louisville, I think, are the conditions. But uh, yeah, anyhow, there you go. <laughs> just uh, for a couple of minutes here, if we can look at, you know, obviously everybody looks at the Breeders' Cup Classic. It's $6 million. It is the Breeders' Cup Classic. Many famous horses uh, have run in it and won it. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen one, Brian, this wide open open usually there's some let's say a you know uh, a cigar who of course got beaten by pick six uh but uh, hey the sour grapes it'll go away but what i'm saying is there's not a super horse that has to be beaten here yeah and, and you know you look at if you look at just the form of 2018 accelerate has put together such a good year i mean He's won all four of the biggest races in California for all the horses, and he's won them all easily. He's five for five in California. Uh, he, remember, he'd be collected in a grade two to start the year. And his only loss was the one trip out of California, but he ran a heck of a race, re-rallying up the rail, giving a bunch of weight to a really talented city of light, just missing. So six races in, uh, he's having a heck of a year, and I think it's undervalued how good his year is. Having said all that, I agree with you because I, I too, see vulnerability there. You know, I guess I guess the big thing is, can he win? Uh, can he look like he's looked out in California, away from California? Can he do that at Churchill Downs? His trainer, John Sadler's 0 for 41 in the Breeders' Cup, so, so they got that to that extra weight on the saddle as well. But, you know, Accelerate deserves to be the favorite, but I guess I'm like everybody else where I think I'm going to try to beat him despite how good his year is. Uh, you, you have to, and you pointed out a, you know, a couple potential chinks in his armor uh, and, and the fact that uh, he's never been over the Churchill Down Strip. Earlier in the show, I stated, you you want to talk about the uh, diversity in this race. You've got discreet lover who will be making his 45th lifetime start, and McKinsey will be making his sixth. <laughs> How's that for a spread? <laughs> yeah, and there are just so many different like you said, it's an eclectic group. I mean, 
you have probably the European Horse of the Year, I think, is going to end up in this race. That's the John Gosden trained three-year-old boring lion. I expect him to be Europe's Horse of the Year. I mean, that's how good he is. He's won four straight Group 1s over there. Uh, and I think they're going to avoid a Nable in the Breeders' Cup turf. So I think he's going to run. Uh, and you got horses over here who, who we don't know if they're turf horses or dirt horses, but they're winning our biggest dirt races. Yoshida and Catholic Boy, Mendelssohn, uh, Beholder's little brother. Beholder won three Breeders' Cup races. Mendelssohn's already won one. And I tell you what, with Diversify not in the Breeders' Cup Classic, I, I do fear the speed of Mendelssohn a little bit. He looks like he's rounding into his best form at the right time. Uh, the list goes on. McKinsey, West Coast was thought to be the best older horse when when Gunrunner retired, and, and I thought he ran, ran a very good prep when uh, uh, not badly beaten by Accelerate last time. And then you got some long shots in there. You mentioned uh, Discreet Lover. I, I want to mention Gunavera. He's not drawn in quite yet, but I do think he'll end up getting in. And I think a mile and a quarter with a little bit of speed is what this horse is all about. And I think Gunavera has a shot to, to shock the world a little bit, maybe 30 to 1. Well, he's a great storyline, that's for sure. Uh, I know a lot of people will be rooting for him. But, yeah, I mean, as we go through, I mean, it's only an hour-long show, but we could spend a half an hour just breaking down uh, this field uh, and the the, the different, um, uh, let's say, talent level that some bring. Some, uh, you know, unbelievable horses on the turf are going to be trying the dirt. And then you've got your European horses. Uh, let's hope uh, Thunder Snow doesn't have a Vietnam flashback when he gets to <laughs> Churchill Downs again. Uh, people may recall in the Derby, he's the horse that decided to not run the race that day and had to be taken off by an outrider after the gates opened. But, uh, I mean, again, I, I could go on and on. But, uh, you know, Brian stated, you know, there's just, just the horses he touched on. There's an angle for all. All of them. And all I can say is the Breeders' Cup Classic is going to be one that you are going to want to uh, uh, get your buddies together and make a big old trifecta, super effecta, whatever you're making, because there's no way you can single a horse in there. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're talking with Brian Zipsy, and when we come back, we're going to try to tackle a couple races that will be running this Saturday. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. And with Brian Zipsy, uh, who has got a very tough uh, act to follow. Jonathan Kinchin, our guest handicapper last week, absolutely knocked it out of the park with long shots and horses that were favorites, but they were favorites in New York. So the payoffs were like 720 to win, 680 to win. That's not bad. So anyhow, Brian, your feet are in the fire. I'm going to start out with a racetrack that's not too far from you, and that's the swan song of great stakes races at Keeneland, the Haggard Fayette, grade to 200,000, they're going a mile and an eighth, and uh, it's very, it, I, man, I handicapped this race for half an hour, didn't come away with a solid pick, though, a couple I like. You've got the, the speed of Leo Frick, if I'm saying that right, I'm probably not, it's probably uh, Leo Frick, uh, so you got the speed of him, then you got the closer, Hence, who has been somewhat disappointing in his career, but on the other hand, he's closing in on a million dollars, and he's trained by Steve Asmussen. And at this distance, he's won three times in a mile and eighth. And then, of course, there's the class horse, the horse that ran third in the Belmont Stakes, came back and slammed him in the curling. Didn't do well in the Pennsylvania Derby, but nonetheless is in the hands of Bill Mott, Hoffberg. Uh, you got another closer rated our superstar how the heck do you handicap this race, Brian? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a difficult race. Um, I, I wish I could say I was excited to bet it, John, but honestly, I'm not. Uh, you know, the, the the morning line. Uh, I was a little surprised they have the California Invader Prime Attraction as the two to one favorite, uh-huh. and he's been um, he he's run behind Accelerate in four of his last five races. He hasn't come close to beating Accelerate, but. Uh, he's been keeping good company, but uh, he's got a little bit of speed, and he's on the rail. I, I don't. I think he, if he is the favorite, I'm not sure he will be. But if he is the favorite, I think he's a horse I'd like to try to beat. But the other two favorites, uh, I'm not sure how to say the name either. Leo Frick or or Hofberg certainly have big shots in here. Uh, Leo Frick has uh, gotten really good for for trainer Brad Cox, and I, I think he's probably the one to beat. Like you said, he'll be on or near the lead with uh, Florent Giroux riding, and, and that's a strong combination. Um, off recent form, certainly he's got a big shot in here. Hofberg, I think if he runs his absolute best, he probably runs by everybody in the stretch. He might end up being the favorite. He's been working very well up at Saratoga since uh, yes. disappointing fourth in the 
Pennsylvania Derby. But there are some interesting long shots in here. Rated R Superstar ran a big race uh, earlier this year at Keeneland to win the Ben Ali. Uh, you mentioned Hence on his best. I think he's got a shot, but at Keeneland, I don't know how much I like him coming from, from way back, as he always does. And I tell you, the long shot that interests me the most probably is, is Nice Not Nice. He's a four-year-old gelding out of twirling candy, and, and like Leofric, he's, uh, he's just gotten good lately, and I think his last few races kind of point him out as uh, peaking. He's got a nice style where he can stalk the, stalk the pace. Uh, so 10-to-1 uh, on the morning line, I, I might give Nice Not Nice a shot, uh, maybe boxing him with the two favorites that I do like, and that's Hoffberg and Leofric. For a seven-horse field, there's nobody you, in my opinion, there's nobody you can key in here, and uh, you, you pretty much, you pretty much uh, touched on them all. There's probably a, and a prime attraction. I, I can understand the favoritism strictly off its class. I mean, this right. horse, for the better part of its last two years, has run in nothing but graded stakes races, uh, and like you said, you know to run against accelerate as often as he has uh certainly uh it gives him a class edge but there's a lot of angles to take into play for sure well let's uh, get over to belmont before uh josh my producer says you're out of here Englehart. um seven furlongs i love that distance it's so unique it's only a six horse field uh but uh I, i'm not sure where the, the the horse to beat is in here i do know that cole fronts our speed horse pletcher velasquez and has shown a good early foot uh though it uh, ran fifth but it was a grade one at, at saratoga uh and then the other horse that i find interesting is uh delta prince this horse has been running longer but is in the hands of Jimmy Jerkins, and all of a sudden, look at those last two works. He's putting the blinkers on, and I think he's asking Delta Prince for speed. Yeah, Delta Prince is, is a classy, talented horse. Jimmy Jerkins has a little little bit of trouble keeping him uh, at the races for long periods of time, but it seems like he's healthy now, and he's had three good turf races uh, in, in in the summer uh, leading up to this race in June, August, and September, all kind of middle distance, uh, a, a mile races at Woodbine and Saratoga, and again at Woodbine, and he's right there in all three. He's running against really good turf horses, milers, and, and this probably is, is, if you will, a step down in class, even though it's a different kind of race, it's a seven-foot-long dirt race. So, yeah, Blinker's... Blinkers on his only two dirt races in her life was his first two races. He's bred for dirt, and those first two races of his life were, were good. He was uh, he was third and second in a couple of maiden races in New York. Um, he became a turf horse, but now the switch back to dirt. A good workout on dirt. Blinkers on. Uh, I, I want to like Delta Prince in here because I think he's no better than the third choice, maybe even the fourth choice short field he won't be high or anything but i want to like him the problem is the horse you mentioned uh cole front is is a super talented uh sprinter uh he hasn't run though for over a year he is the controlling speed of the race and if pletcher has him healthy and ready i'm just afraid he gets out there and can't get caught having said that at seven furlongs though i, I you know i like to try to beat that controlling speed if it was six furlongs i'd be even more afraid of him I think he'll be a pretty big favorite. But, you know, heavy favorite, 13 months away, why not try to beat him? And for me, 
uh, Delta Prince is, is the most interesting horse in the race. No dozing, nice seven for a long horse, doesn't really win these type of races a lot. And True Timber is the horse with some form coming in. Uh, he's won a couple in a row for uh, Kieran McLaughlin. I think All he's right, a we've been talking well. about the Bold Ruler Handicap with Brian Zipsy. A lot of angles in there. Breeders' Cup's coming up. Brian, thanks so much for being with us. I want to thank Dr. Joe Politi uh, for joining us and wish him nothing but the best in the Breeders' Cup with his Serengentry Empress. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.